Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nidus Anarchy series. I'm your host Adam, the CIO of Nidus, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about the MGM hack and what actually happened and where we're at now, now that it's over. So MGM officially announced a statement today of what happened and what's been breached and how they're going to make up for it and all that kind of fun stuff. So before we get into that whole statement, which obviously, you know, has been very polished over by many, many attorneys, let's talk about what actually happened now that we know more about what went down with this attack. So where we left off last time was MGM got hacked. We're not really sure how they got in specifically, but we know that it has something to do with Okta because they were involved, which is a single sign-on system. And because of that, everything got locked down. Uh, did the hackers shut it down? Did MGM shut it down? The theory was MGM shut it down to prevent further stuff from happening and where do we go from here so what i understand from everything that i was able to glean from online and through twitter and you know back channel stuff is this someone someone had attacker guy we don't i'm not really sure who it is exactly because there were multiple people saying that they did it and they're blaming on these teenagers from the us and uk but that's not necessarily true either but who cares it doesn't really matter some nefarious dude called up the MGM help desk and they portrayed themselves as someone that has high level access within MGM's network infrastructure, specifically around their identity management systems, Okta, and the actual servers on-prem on where they could log in and have basically uh, high level access to get to the Okta agents that are on the box. So what does that mean? So first, let's just talk about how they got the access. So someone called up the help desk. The help desk is an outsourced third-party system that MGM uses uh, to manage all of their IT infrastructure and password resets and that and that this is actually pretty common very rarely does a large enterprise use their own internal people for help desk it's farmed out nine times out of ten somewhere offshore and then you know you, you know you really just don't have that level of control anymore because you have someone that's literally your help desk this kind of goes back to the analogy that I've, I've always talked about before where it's like you could be in the most secure building in the world and when you walk in, your access is highly restricted. You can only get into these certain rooms. Your badge only works on this room between these hours and these hours. But if you're a janitor, you have full access to every single room in this highly secured building because you're just a janitor. You're not going to do anything, right? So that's you know easy way in. So when you have these people that have full access, like your help desk support, they have access to reset passwords for anyone, right? It's not just access to reset passwords for just the low-level employees or people that only have access to these systems. They can reset the password for the CEO if they have to. So these low-level third-party external systems have access to the keys of the kingdom, in a sense, because of it. So what happened was someone called in, they social engineered the person on the phone from this third-party help desk to get them to reset the MFA credentials so that they could then log in and MFA as that person, even though they're not. So once they got access into the systems, they had access to the, uh, the Octos SaaS platform, so the actual web platform there, but more importantly, which is where this all kind of comes down to, is they had access to the servers where the Okta agents were running. And what they were doing is they were sniffing out the passwords at the Okta agent and collecting them because the Okta agents were having, were, were running these passwords in clear text, which is a huge no-no. So the question is, who's to blame? Was it, the, was it Okta for allowing their agents to have these passwords in clear text? Was it misconfiguration from the engineers on the MGM side that set this up in the first place? Or was it the uh, outsourced MGM help desk 
that reset the password for this person? Well, it's really all of the above and MGM. Like you kind of got to take all of them, right? So it's MGM's fault in whole because it's their company. They're in the end responsible for their systems and their data and their customers, right? Uh, the help desk, obviously they made a big boo-boo by resetting the password for the wrong person. And then Okta, they, they have a little bit of the blame in the sense that their agents really shouldn't be housing clear text passwords or passing around anywhere ever. That should just be like a default. And then the engineers that installed it, maybe they should have over-architected it and made it a little more secure and not really worry about security bloat at that time. Because a lot of times that what happens is they use and, and rely on SSL termination. So everything is SSL and encrypted up to a certain point, which is generally the firewall. And then everything underneath, they're like, oh, it's fine because it's internal. So that's called SSL termination because it terminates at the application layer. So everything underneath, which is where those agents are, they say it's fine to be clear text communication back and forth. And we're not going to put SSL in place because it's within our heavily secured application infrastructure, which obviously this is why you don't use SSL termination. Now, do I know that's what happened? No, not exactly. But I'm just saying if you're, if you are an enterprise and you're saying, Hey, SSL termination is fine by us. This is why you don't use SSL termination. You should use SSL and encryption throughout your entire enterprise, your whole on-prem, in the cloud, everywhere, everything should be secured and locked down. There should never be a clear text password sent anywhere ever or PII. So that's kind of how the hack happened. So then what happened was MGM found out that there was someone in there and then siphoning off all these passwords. So they said, holy shit. And they just locked everything down. So MGM just went and hit the kill switch and just killed everything and said, okay, kill it. Let's just cut off the bleeding right now. They basically just cut off the arm and put on a tourniquet and said, okay, we'll figure it out. You know, they got bit by the zombie. They didn't want to turn into a zombie. So therefore they cut the arm off, put the belt on and said, we'll figure it out from here. And that's kind of where they ran. And that's why they're down for over a week because they're trying to figure out one, what did they have access to? What accounts were compromised? Did they compromise further accounts once they were, once they were inside? I mean, the investigation and, and now the, like the audit that had to happen to figure out what was compromised and for how long that had to take forever. I mean, we saw jobs being posted. There were also fake jobs being posted on LinkedIn and stuff like that, which you could tell right away when they're like, oh, we, we're hiring to help solve the MGM hack. No job description tells you why you're being hired or what they're hiring for. They just say, hey, we need someone with these skills and experiences in these locations, which we did see a massive rollout of 60 people needing to be hired immediately in Las Vegas for a data center. That one I think is a little bit more legit. So. That's kind of what happened. Now, how do they resolve it? So one, they locked everything down like we just talked about. So therefore they could isolate you know, the bleeding, cut it off and then figure out where to go from there. That's why no one could log into the systems to check into their hotels. That's why the, the slot machines, everything wasn't working because nothing could authenticate because they killed that, that centralized authentication system. Which is kind of funny when you think about it because if you look at one of our previous podcasts, I mentioned multiple times about how if someone gets into that centralized identity management system, you're screwed because then no one can authenticate anywhere. And that's exactly what happened. They killed that and then nothing could authenticate, which means nothing could run, nothing, no one could check in and no one could book online. It was a huge cluster. So MGM's official response has just come out and let's kind of go through this as a breakdown so you know what happened. So from there, it's long ass thing, you can read it if you want, but here's the, here's the parts. As previously reported, sophisticated criminal actors. These guys really weren't that sophisticated. They used social engineering attack against a help desk person. That's honestly the easiest way to break into any system is social engineering at your lowest level, which is your help desk people that do not care about their job. They do not care about the client and they just want to 
just get you off the phone as quick as possible so that they can go on the break or sit there and browse the crap on their phone again. They're not necessarily always your, they're, they're labeled as your first line of defense, but they don't have, they're, they're also like your lowest paid employee, right? Just put it that way. Does your lowest paid employee care as much as your person that's making like $200,000 a year? No. So I think there, there's a whole nother different topic of conversation is training for your help desk and the ones that have those password resets. And also like, hey, these people have these level of access. Maybe you should be paying them more, right? <laughs> so sophisticated criminal actors, not necessarily. Um, now, I'm not saying the radius, but I'm saying it wasn't a crazy zero-day exploit that these guys figured out and hacked and tunneled into some system. They didn't break SSL. They just broke one guy to get a password to get in. And then they just logged in and had access. Uh, the impact of the attack. Uh, because we uh, because they responded so fast, they were able to restrict any compromise of bank account numbers or payment card information. So they're basically saying all your bank accounts are fine. They never got any of the information. So you're first like, oh, whew, well, then we're fine. <laughs> nope. We do understand that the criminal actors obtain certain personal information, name, contact information, gender. I wonder how many genders they got. Uh, date of birth and driver's license number. You're like, oh, well, that's bad, but it's not horrible. Oh, wait. And we believe maybe they got some social security numbers and passport numbers. That is horrible. Uh, we have no evidence that the criminal actors have used this data to commit identity theft or account fraud. They don't know that. They, they absolutely don't know that. They do have no idea that this stuff wasn't, isn't being sold on the dark web somewhere or that people have, all those people that they just got access to, you know, that their accounts are now opening up credit cards in their names and all, from overshores and stuff. So I, th there's no way that they know that. They, now, what they're saying is true. We have no evidence, meaning we looked at this website where we normally see stuff being sold and it's not there, so we don't have the evidence that anything's being sold. So it's true, but I think that's kind of a shady statement. Then they go and say, hey, we've set up a hotline in case you have problems for call us and blah, blah, blah. Thank you. Uh, we're grateful to employees and we regret the outcome and sincerely apologize. So they got name, contact information, gender, date of birth, driver's license numbers, social security numbers, and passport numbers of who knows how many people over a massive period of time. And that's where most likely the ransom came down. They said, hey, look, we have all this information. Pay us. Otherwise, we're releasing it and hosing on your system. And MGM said no. So is it information out on the dark web? If it's not, I bet it's going to be. So if you have ever signed up with MGM and you've ever given them your social security number or your passport number for whatever reason, uh, you need to freeze your credit immediately. So if you go to Experian, TransUnion, Equifax, you can put a credit freeze. And what that does is it locks your credit with a crazy password and you have to verify you are who you are and all this crazy stuff to unfreeze it to be able to apply for any credit. So if anyone tries to open up a credit card in your name, they try to buy a car or any type of loan, anything that requires your social security number, it will immediately come back and say, no, this account is frozen. You can't do anything. And that is amazing. You should have that on by default anyway. I always do. Everyone I, I tell them to do that because it's the easiest way to prevent identity theft. And then if everyone, you want to go buy a car, you need to get a loan, you just call up the three things and say, hey, here's my secret password, unfreeze my account, and only unfreeze it for a day or three days or an hour or whatever, and then it'll automatically freeze back in again. That's the best way to prevent identity theft. If you ever stayed in an MGM hotel, freeze your accounts, freeze all your credit because it, you don't want to take that risk. It could absolutely happen to you and it's not worth it. It's super simple. It's also free. They don't charge you to freeze your accounts and unfreeze them. So go do it. I highly recommend you do that immediately. So 
In the end, the hack, someone compromised the help desk that's outsourced to a third party. The third party SaaS system that uses for single sign-on system had clear text passwords out there to be scanned. And then someone logged into the systems and the intrusion detection just thought it was natural because it really looked like the person. But if they were using something like autonomous identity or autonomous access, they could have probably found out from a risk score that that really wasn't the person logging in that they thought. Because that's where the new kind of sexy future tech comes into play. You think, oh, they have the username, password, and they did multi-factor, 2FA, whatever, they're in, okay, they have to be that person. Well, there's systems out there where you can assign a risk score to them, say, based on a whole bunch of stuff. The browser they're using, the IP, where they're geographically located, do they normally log in at this time of day? And all those things play into factor to say, hey, look, this probably isn't that guy. Because he doesn't live in Thailand or wherever they are coming from. Or even if they're using a VPN, he doesn't log in at midnight normally. This is, let's prompt them for something else. Let's shoot them an email. Let's do something else. Let's notify, you know, uh, their supervisor saying, hey, this person's trying to get in. Is this normal? So there's lots of things that you can do nowadays in, in modern identity management systems to prevent this by using these autonomous risk engines that you can just make a simple call out to and, and get back, get a score, one to five. What's the level of risk? So something like that could have definitely helped prevent this. Obviously, training your help desk and not setting clear text passwords and encrypt everything. Basically, you just you've got to be you got to be smart in this world. I mean, that's why we have identity management engineers and architects that have been doing this for a long time, like us, that know how to do it and what's proper. The thing is, we can go into a client and say, "Hey, look, you need to stop doing SSL termination. You need to not have clear text passwords anywhere. You cannot let people do this. You need to have this." And in the end, they'll just be like, "Yeah, we're not doing that." And then it's all out the window. So in the end, it always comes down to the enterprise. It's their responsibility. So whose fault is it? It's MGM's fault. In the end, it's it's the person or the company that has ownership of everything that's actually happening. And this is where a lot of people like to pass the buck because we have clients too. We'll tell them like, hey, look, what if the cloud goes down? Or what if this? You need to have on-prem. They're like, oh no, because we've outsourced it to them and we're, we're you know, SaaS provider for that. It's their responsibility. If there's ever a breach, they're responsible and the risk goes on them. So, you know, we pass the audit. It's like, that's cool. But now your brand is destroyed because of this happened. So I don't care. You can say the risk is on them because you're paying them and they're third party, but it doesn't matter because in the end, the customer sees your name, your brand, your logo, you're responsible. So yeah. In the end, whose fault? MGM's fault. I hope you guys can freeze your credit scores and stay safe out there. If you have any questions or want to know more information about this kind of stuff, I'd be more than happy to talk about it. You can follow me on Nidus IAM, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those things. Full length videos all on LinkedIn and YouTube. Check us out. Have any questions, hit us up in the comments. Hit me up on email, adam at nidus.com. We'll see you guys around. Later.